I'd like to share one of the chapters out of my recent book, Lean Six Sigma for Good, Lessons from the Gemba, Volume 1. I'm implying that there's going to be more than one volume, hopefully. Um, <clears throat> so far, as of this recording, I've got five chapters in the book. And I'll have a link in there where you can go and purchase the book, and all the proceeds go to the nonprofit for each of the authors. And so <clears throat> it gets split up depending on uh, the sales we have at that time of the book. So as we add more authors, the price will go up. And if you've already purchased it, you'll get the extra chapters for free. So that's kind of an advantage. <clears throat> so if you are um, looking for some examples of people who have applied Lean and Six Sigma concepts to nonprofits or NGOs, then please check out that this book. So I'll share the chapter that I wrote, um, which is the last chapter that we've added in here about my work uh, putting on a conference as part of a nonprofit that I run. Hope you enjoy. Chapter five, Brian Hurley, applying Lean Six Sigma to a nonprofit fundraiser conference. Running a small nonprofit. My entire work career has revolved around process improvement. I studied statistics and quality management in college, then worked for 18 years at Rockwell Collins as a Lean Six Sigma black belt. About 10 years ago, I started to transition to sustainability work, applying improvement techniques to social and environmental problems. In 2015, I got involved in a nonprofit organization called Recycling Advocates in Portland, Oregon. After a year, I was asked to take over as president of the 30-year-old organization, which was founded in 1987. I was new to the nonprofit board member role, so I was nervous about becoming the president. However, I figured my passion for the environment, along with the support and mentoring from other board members, would help me figure out what to do. We are a small nonprofit, so we didn't have many products or services that we offered other than education to our members. In the past, we have supported campaigns to improve recycling and other environmental causes, such as plastic bags ban, reusable beer bottles bottle deposit bill, and e-waste regulations. Since I came on board, we have spent most of our time working on the problem of disposable and non-recyclable coffee cups. However, that was also one of the challenges I had to deal with first, to make the organization more financially viable. We would ask for donations to support our causes, but it wasn't working very well. We were not bringing in enough money to cover our minimal expenses, which is overhead costs for a part-time resource director. One of the ideas that our board members came up with is, was to set up a conference and charge money for tickets. I agreed that it would be easier to provide our members with some value for their money instead of just asking for a donation. I was noticing that there was a lot of discussion in Portland around the topic of a zero-waste lifestyle, focusing on minimizing purchases and reducing the amount of trash being generated at home. Some people have even reduced their trash down to one bag or container per year. In the business world, there was also a growing interest in companies becoming zero-waste, to support their sustainability programs. I recently achieved a certification as a true zero-waste business advisor. I felt that hosting a conference to bring people together to educate them about how they can apply zero-waste principles to their life would be a great idea, both for our organization and for our supporters. But I hadn't ever set up or run a conference before, especially an event with more than 20 people with a focus on raising money for a nonprofit organization. Since my background is in Lean and Six Sigma, I felt confident that I could use these tools and techniques to help me figure it out. I've also attended a lot of Lean and Six Sigma conferences over the years, so I felt like I was experienced as a conference attendee. I have often thought about ways to improve the conference experience. 
will anyone attend? The first thing I did was partner with someone who knew the potential audience better than I. I connected with a friend of mine to help me out, Chloe LePeltier. She ran a Facebook group called Zero Waste PDX, and it was gaining in popularity. I pitched the idea to her, and she liked it and was interested in helping me set it up. The next thing we did was to figure out if there was actual interest in having a conference. If there was interest, what would people want to learn? We didn't want to waste too much effort putting on a conference that nobody wanted to attend. As with any effort, we need to know if we are offering value to our customers. A few years ago, I read a popular book called The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. He talks about ways you can test out your ideas first before you design and develop a new product or service. These concepts were developed based on the principles of the Toyota production system, which is the foundation of lean methodology. There was another book published shortly after explaining how these lean startup concepts could be applied to nonprofits in the book Lean Startups for Social Change by Michael Golopter. I was excited to test out these startup concepts on this conference. Side note, uh, I actually ran into Michael Galopter. We had emailed back and forth for a while. I was trying to get him to come up to Portland to do some training on that topic. We actually met in Trinidad on an airplane going from Panama to the to Trinidad, and I talked about that in my last podcast. So it was really strange that we ran into each other. He's actually sitting in the row in front of me. Just really bizarre, but I digress. We first set up an online survey to see what kind of response we would get for our conference idea. I was confident there would be interest, but I didn't know how much interest there would be. That is the whole point of the Lean Startup approach, to get actual data on uncertain ideas from the customers and stakeholders. It's also a core principle in Six Sigma, gathering and analyzing data. So I really like this approach. After a couple weeks, we reviewed the feedback from the survey. We had about 115 people fill out the survey, which I thought was a positive response. That gave us confidence that we could get at at least half of those people to attend an event. Next, we went through the different topic ideas and comments and tried to categorize those results into a Pareto chart, like we often do when attempting to reduce defects in a process or prioritize our prioritize our improvement work. And I've got a figure in here that shows like um, campaigns to support waste reduction was number one, laws about the use of reusable containers, number two, sharing economy like tool libraries, kitchen libraries, making home products as number four, other resources for buying in bulk in Portland, number five. So we had categorized those out. We took the top-ranked categories and tried to determine who we should invite to be a potential speaker on each topic. As we went through each category, we had a few names of people we could invite, which gave us much more confidence that we could provide good value to the attendees. We also had to figure out how long their event, the event should be, which day of the week it should be, which month of the year it should be, and how much to charge people to attend. These questions were included in the survey. Based on the results, we decided to charge $25 per person for a four-hour event to be held in the fall on a weekend during the day. Some of these results surprised me. I was originally planning to do a full-day event during the week or in the evening during the week. However, that was not the most popular choice. That really helped guide our planning, and I think is one of the keys to the, the event success. Mitigating the risk of problems. Another powerful tool of Six Sigma is called the Failure Modes and Effects Analysis, FMEA. It is used to identify the risk of something going wrong and mitigate the risk to reduce the chance of it actually happening. It is often used to prevent new product designs from running into problems during the manufacturing process 
or when the product is being used by the end customer. However, this is a perfect tool to use in this situation, especially since it was our first time planning an event. I was really nervous that I was overlooking something that would become an issue during the event. I really wanted this event to be a great success. However, I did not want to perform a full FMEA where you go through every single step and prioritize each risk based on, based on severity, occurrence, and detection. Over the years of teaching, facilitating, and promoting the use of FMEAs, I have found that many people like the idea of the tool but are scared off about the time commitment required. And I completely understand, as I didn't have a lot of time either since this is all being done on volunteer time. I've developed an, I've developed an approach to ease into FMEAs. The idea is that you start simple by just having a discussion with others in your team and simply ask, what are some of the risks? As you brainstorm the risks, you discuss how well prepared you are for these risks. This, this exercise will help you determine if you feel comfortable with the potential risks or not and decide if you should go deeper into your risk assessment. If you realize that there are more risks than you thought, then the next step I recommend is to walk through the full process all the way as the customer or conference attendee in this case to see what their experience might be as currently set up. First, they're going to sign up on the website, then decide how to pay, receive an electronic ticket as confirmation, travel to the event location on the event day using different transportation methods, walk to the event entrance, look for signage on where to go, check in, and find a place to sit. As we talked through these steps, many questions came up. Do we have directions to the event? Do they know where to park? Do they know to bring their ticket? Was the event entrance easy to find? Do they need a name tag? Do they want something to eat or drink? Are they going to want to take notes during the event? How do they find and get into their seats? Will the aisles be spaced in a way to make it easy to get into their seats? Finally, we tried answering these questions and discussed ways we could mitigate the potential problem. As an example, for the seating problem, I anticipated that people would come in later and this would make it easier for them to quietly sit at the edges of the rows. What normally happens is that the open seats are often in the middle of a row and people are climbing over each other and creating a distraction. To mitigate the seating problem that I've experienced at other conferences, I created a PowerPoint slide that was rotating at the beginning that would remind people to move to the center of the seating. I also encouraged people to introduce themselves to their neighbors so they'd be more comfortable sitting next to each other. And I've got a graphic here of in the book of what I'm showing before, the yes correct way to sit where everyone's sitting in the middle and the sides are opened up and the incorrect one where people are sitting on the edge and the middle is open with seats. We didn't have as many people show up as we were planning for, so it didn't end up being as big of a problem as I expected. A quick glance at the seating arrangement showed mixed results with the sign, so a future improvement would be to remind people during the event to move to the center. We also thought about the speaker experience, not just the conference attendee. Where would they be standing? What digital format would they use for their presentations? Are they going to engage the audience? After we brainstormed the questions for our, from our risk discussion, the next decision was whether the questions and answers we came up with made us feel comfortable with the event planning so far, or if it raised a lot of red flags and concerns. If it raised some serious questions and concerns, then it might justify performing a full FMEA. A full FMEA would require us to go step-by-step step through the process and brainstorm every potential failure we could think of and score the risks from highest to lowest in order to prioritize what to work on. This takes a while to complete, but for large and important events, it might be worth the effort. For our event, we felt good about the answers we had, so we didn't feel that a full FMEA was necessary, 
We simply listed out the questions and the mitigation we were going to take for each risk. Here are a couple examples. The projector doesn't work or dies during the event. We brought a second projector as backup. Credit card payment device doesn't work due to poor internet connection. Bring three extra devices and phones as backup. Presentation is hard to see on the white screen. The contrast or lighting is off. We're going to arrive early to test and adjust the lighting in the room. What if the room gets too hot due to the number of people? We had fans ready to go near the exits if the weather looked to be warm and we had full attendance. What if the attendees only have cash and want to and want change for any purchases or donations? I withdraw withdrew $50 in $1 bill increments and I brought that to the event. Skipping ahead, I felt like we did a great job overall with the event. There weren't any major hiccups, so I feel like we addressed or avoided many of the risks we identified, or some of them never came to fruition. The only thing we didn't consider as a failure was not having the speakers to show up. We had no mitigation plan for that. Luckily, everybody showed up as expected, but that was something that we need to have a mitigation plan for next year. We also didn't have a place for the speakers to sit, which was minor, but an improvement we can make next year. Obviously, small things came up that we didn't anticipate, but I think overall the event went pretty smoothly, so I think we did the right amount of risk assessment. Flow of attendees at check-in. From a lean perspective, one area I was concerned about was the flow of attendees into the event space. The ideal scenario in lean is that your customer demand is consistent and steady. For this conference, that that means that attendees trickle into the event in a steady flow one at a time, not all at once. Large large groups can overload the process and back up the line, which makes people wait in line and it puts stress on our volunteers. To deal with this issue, I wanted to figure out how to help spread out the arrival times of the attendees and keep the check-in process quick and simple. The first thing was to avoid technology. Now, I love technology, but I was concerned that it would slow down the check-in process and increase the risk of something going wrong. We opted to print out three copies of the attendee list. We simplified the process, so all the volunteers had to do was cross off the names of the attendee, and that's it. It only took 5 to 10 seconds per person. It also gave us flexibility to help out if we saw the line getting longer, instead of only having one person with the list, which is creating an unnecessary bottleneck. We also tried to spread out the volunteers near the entrance to create more space and room. This would allow people to get around each other and go to the next check-in person who was available and not interfere with people trying to enter the room. I didn't actually observe anything about the sign-in process, but the feedback was good, and the volunteers said they weren't, they weren't overwhelmed, so I took that as a success. One minor issue was that the name tag creation station wasn't located in the most ideal spot. Luckily, the majority of people brought their own name tags to stay aligned with the purpose of the event, the Zero Waste Conference, so it didn't impact the flow very much. The Bring Your Own Name Tag program worked out really well. We minimized waste, and it ended up being a good conversation starter, especially for those who made their own fancy one or had a unique badge from work. Minimizing environmental impact. Here are all the things we did in our conference to reduce our impact on the environment. Encourage attendees to bring their own name tag. No printing of agendas or schedules. Very few printed flyers for promotion. Almost all was done online promoted Bring Your Own Cup, BYOC, and provided reusable mugs for those who forgot, provided reusable fabric squares made with beeswax for the snacks, told everyone to pack in, pack out if they brought anything to the event, 
Check in with the electronic tickets, not printed tickets. Encourage attendees to take public transportation or carpool. And told sponsors to minimize or eliminate any handouts or freebies. Attendance predictions. One area that was a negative was the actual attendance. We had more, many more signups than actual attendees, and we had a wait list. So there were people who signed up but didn't attend, and those that wanted to attend but were not able to attend. That is another problem we need to fix for our next event. Because of my Six Sigma background, I was really interested in accurately predicting attendance numbers. Here was how we ran the event for determining capacity. The room capacity was set at 150 people. Based on other free Lean Six Sigma workshops I've put on over the past two years, I had some data on attendance rate for those that register for an event. This event is a little longer and a different topic, but it's the best data I had at the time. We also had a small sample of data from workshops where people donated money to attend, and it was 100% attendance for all 17 people. We broke up the attendees into five categories and estimated actual attendance based on sign-up numbers. Because we did not anticipate having people show up at the door who were not signed up, I added a sixth category below called pay at door. So for free, we had uh, 20 free signups. We expected, based on the workshop performance, to get a 50% attendance rate. We actually, so we expected 10 would show up, and we got about 12, so about 60%. So we were pretty close on free. When we had the sponsors, we, they got a free ticket and access to it if they, um, <clears throat> if they paid money to have their logo promoted or have a booth or table there. We had 22 sponsors. We expected 80% attendance. We, we had no real data to go off of that. We actually had 18 attend, and so, um, or sorry, we expected 18 and 14 attended, so about 64%. So not too bad on that one, but not a huge number, so that wasn't too big a deal. For speakers, we had nine speakers. We expected 100%, and we got nine, and, and that's what we were hoping for, so that worked out fine. When we got into the paid, the people who had donated at least $5 to attend, we had 74 signups. I expected, let's say not 100%, but maybe 95%. And that was based on my very small sample of 17 attendees who had donated money. The actual, so we expected to have 70 of the paid, 70 of the 74 paid we thought would show up. However, we only had 51 show up, which is 70%. So that was a little lower, and that was a big gap. For volunteers, we expected 90% attendance. Out of the for the 14 people that said they would come and volunteer, that was really just an estimate. We had no idea. We actually had 13 show up. Or sorry, we so we expected 13. We had 10 show up. So we had 70 percent. So a little bit lower on that one. <clears throat> and for pay at the door, we did not expect to have any, so we didn't predict any. But we did have eight show up. Um, and so that was a little bit of surprise. And that was about 5% of the total room capacity. So that's something we'll have to plan for next year. So based on our estimated attendance, we expected 120 people, but only had 104, including the eight people who showed up at the door. So there are far more people we should have invited from the wait list to attend. I did want to stay under the capacity number, ideally at about 140 people, but I did not want it to be that far under the room capacity. In hindsight, we should have invited 30 more people off the wait list to get us closer to the 125, 130 actual attendees, as 140 would have felt very crowded in that, in that space. 
that is something we will improve next time. Now, now that we have at least one data point from this conference, as we continue to conduct these events, we can add more statistics and probability to the attendance to get even more accurate predictions. Results. Overall, we were able to raise over $1,500 for Recycling Advocates. We got some of our money from sponsors and the rest from the attendees. That is a lot of money for our nonprofit since we only bring in about $5,000 a year. It was also my first major fundraising effort since I became president two years ago, so this gave me a lot of confidence to put on more events in the future. But like everything, we could have done better. The key to establishing an improvement program within a nonprofit or for-profit business is to measure results. Surveys are popular approaches to gather data, especially for events and conferences. We created a short survey to see how we did. Net Promoter Score, NPS, is a popular way to determine if we will likely gain support and word-of-mouth recommendations for future conferences. Although not often mentioned as a Lean or Six Sigma tool, it is a great indicator or customer metric that can drive the need for improvement. We included one question to measure our NPS. On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely are you to recommend the next zero-waste event to like-minded friends and family? Results of this question are shown in Figure 3. Basically, we got mostly 8s, 9s, and 10s. <clears throat> Lowest we got is a couple of 5s. A definition of how to calculate NPS is provided by Wikipedia below. Those who respond with a score of 9 or 10 are called promoters and are considered likely to exhibit value-creating behaviors such as buying more, remaining customers for longer, and making more positive referrals to other potential customers. Those who respond with a score of 0 to 6 are labeled detractors, and they are believed to be less likely to exhibit the value-creating behaviors. Responses of 7 to 8 are labeled passives, and their behavior falls between promoters and detractors. The net promoter score is calculated by subtracting the percentage of customers who are detractors from the percentage of customers who are promoters. For purposes of calculating a net promoter score, Passives count towards the total number of respondents, thus decreasing the percentage of detractors and promoters and pushing the net score towards zero. An NPS can be as low as minus 100, where every respondent is a detractor, or as high as plus 100, every respondent is a promoter. A positive NPS, in other words, one that is higher than zero, is generally deemed good, and a NPS of plus 50 is generally de deemed excellent. Using this definition, we calculated NPS as follows. Percent promoters minus percent detractors. We had 70% promoters minus 11% detractors for a score of 59.2. Our score of 59.2 would be considered excellent. I'm pretty happy with the score, but I know there is more we can do to increase the score next time. If you're interested in watching the presentations from our event, you can check them out on our YouTube channel for the event. You can find that at recyclingadvocates.org and look for a link to the events in the videos. The video recording and editing was donated by one of our sponsors, Stumptown Media Group, which would have eaten into our expenses if we had to pay for it ourselves or would have not have turned out as professional as it did. If you're involved in setting up a conference or event at work or want to help with an event for a nonprofit organization, I hope some of the Lean and Six Sigma concepts I mentioned will be useful to you. I also hope you consider the environmental impact of your event and consider ways to make it more green. If you have questions or want to attend the next Zero Waste Conference, go to zerowasteconference.org or contact me directly. Proceeds. 
Proceeds received from my chapter will be donated to Recycling Advocates, an Oregon nonprofit based in Portland that is dedicated to creating a sustainable future through local efforts to reduce, reuse, and recycle. Contact. For the contact section, and then I just basically give a little background of myself and how to reach me on Instagram at Brian Hurley. Uh, my website is brianhurley.com. You can also go to leansigsigmaenvironment.org and go through the about section to get there. And then you can reach me on LinkedIn or email me at brion at biz-pi.com. Hope you enjoyed the, the chapter. We have four other chapters already. And then when if you are listening to this, we might even have a sixth or seventh by that time. And um, like I said, any purchase of the book made now, you'll get it at a lower cost, but you'll also get all the free chapters that come after that. So thanks for listening, and um, please check out the book. Thanks.